Well, hello. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Those of you who made it a priority to get here today, we're so grateful because I could have seen myself with uh, hot chocolate sitting by the fireplace at home, just like you probably. And so we're glad that you're here and, uh, and for coming. I'm, I'm glad to be here with you. Are you glad to be here with me? All right. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, so we are starting a, uh, a new series this week called Peace of Mind. And uh, we had finished our refocus series. Did anybody get anything out of the refocus series? Hopefully, right? We're refocusing ourselves. Uh, we're like a week and a half or a week away from uh, voting. And so sometimes we have to refocus ourselves in those moments and in those times. And, uh, and that's a good thing to uh, refocus on the issues that matter, right? The things that are most in- important for the believer. Amen? All right, so now we're looking for peace of mind, okay? Peace of mind. All of it. Did anybody in here want peace of mind? Man, uh, I tell you what, I'm right there with you. Um, the next few weeks, it's going to be, I think, for the next five weeks, we're going to be talking through um, and talking about a subject that oftentimes is either dismissed or else sometimes shied away from uh, within the church, and uh, it's the subject of uh, mental health. And... Um, and I know that in our day and age and in, in our culture right now, this is a really big uh, issue. And maybe it always was, but it seems to be more prevalent now. Maybe it's just more known. Maybe we're just focusing on it more and seeing it more. Um, but uh, it's the subject of mental health. And sometimes in the church, and maybe you've experienced this, um, maybe you know, in the church sometimes people think that you shouldn't have issues like that, Right. We shouldn't have these kinds of issues uh, because if we do have these kinds of issues, that somehow makes us weak. Have you ever kind of felt that from somebody or maybe, you know, uh, heard that before or something? Uh, Maybe we begin to feel guilty uh, if we struggle with anxiety, stress, uh, just feeling certainly worn down and worn out, but feeling depressed as well. Uh, You know, sometimes we can feel guilty about that because... In the church, we haven't done a great job of having those conversations and really uh, looking at that. And, uh, and so, you know, if you were here a few weeks ago, uh, I talked about uh, a time in my own life and in, in Kim's and our, in my ministry. So in our ministry, we went through some difficult times, uh, certainly like most people have gone through difficult times in life. Uh, and it's no different in the ministry, just so you know, uh, if you ever wondered. Um, and so we went through a stressful time, and I'm going to kind of just touch on that uh, again today, because I think it's important um, as, you know, concerning what we're talking about today. We pastored a church. It was a small church uh, north of Seattle, about 20 minutes north of Seattle. Uh, it was a beautiful place. It was a beautiful town. We loved living there, uh, and, and it was a, just a, a wonderful area. Uh, but the church had been shrinking, and, uh, and they were going through some issues, and, and so they had shrunk and shrunk, and uh, so they wanted to give it one more chance, and so we went there uh, to, uh, we didn't know that at the time necessarily, but they wanted to put somebody in there, give it one more chance to see if they could have life again, and, um, and it was just from start to finish very, very difficult, uh, and so we were, we found ourselves, Kim and I were stressed uh, 
frequently. We were anxious frequently. Uh, and probably myself a little bit more than Kim, uh, having a little bit more of the responsibility uh, with dealing with certain people who were there and those types of things. And so there was a, a lot of stress, a lot of anxious uh, nights and anxious days, uh, a lot of anxious conversations. Uh, I always felt worn out um, at, at the thought of uh, preaching. I, I was worn out at the thought of even being around the people within the church and uh, felt honestly, just really felt down even about the future of it. You know, like inside, uh, I had hope, but I was also like, you know, like, I just don't know about this. It was frequently kind of uh, just worn out, worn down, and really kind of depressed about what, what I saw around me, what we dealt with all the time. And so it was a, a really hard time uh, for me and for us. Uh, and because of that, how many people have walked through this? Because of that difficult time, it not only was a hard time to walk through, but my habits became bad. Have you ever been in those situations where, like, mentally it's a struggle and it's a stress and you're anxious and all these things are happening and your habits become bad, right? Anybody else in here ever have that happen, right? You just start making worse, you know, uh, decisions, uh, you know. So mentally it was rough uh, and, and kind of in bad shape in that time. Physically it was getting worse as well, um, you know, we got into, I remember in that time, we got into hiking, and so we really spent a lot of time out hiking. Like, every Saturday, we would get up early, go out super early, and hike, and it was just really our kind of time to get away and clear our minds a little bit. And, uh, and, and But inevitably, here's the thing, inevitably, at the beginning of every hike, we ended up talking about church stuff, right, and issues and problems and, and the stresses and stuff. And then we'd get in so far, and it would be like, all right, let's stop right now. Let's not get into talking about those things. Let's just take the day for what it is, enjoy it. And so we would kind of stop, at least stop having the conversations, right? And so we'd go on the hike. We enjoyed our time together. But how many of us know that hikes end, right? <laughs> and so hikes end or whatever it is that you, that you uh, can, you know, Get, get away in and do and kind of pull yourself away from those things. Those things come to an end, and then ultimately the stresses remain. Amen? Right? You're there with me? And so those things always remained. And so it was a very, very difficult time in our lives. And, and, and you know, so um, coming out of that, we had probably a little bit over a year of time before we wanted to go into anything uh, ministry-wise and that type of thing. So we just needed to take some time, right? Take some time, work through things, let the Lord speak to us, uh, have conversations with people that would help work through those things. And so we had a lot of that for the next 14 months. Um, but what I want you to know more than anything by even sharing that uh, once again is that uh, if you deal with this sort of thing and you deal with issues in this area of mental health, you're not alone, okay? So just know that today you are not alone in this. And so here we are. We're looking for peace of mind uh, as we talk through this subject of mental health. So let me pray, and then we're going to um, talk a little bit about the uh, book of Thessalonians, the letter uh, that Paul wrote to the Thessalonian believers, okay? Father, thank you for today. God, this is uh, a good day to be here with you and with, uh, with your people here, God. We are grateful, and, uh, and Lord, we're just wanting uh, to hear from you, to, uh, to really just hear from your voice, hear uh, you speak to our hearts and minds today, Lord, that we would be open to hear from your word and uh, ultimately return that in worship because that's uh, our goal in life and our aim in life is to uh, worship you and turn things to you. And so, Lord, even in this area, we know that even when we struggle, we can, uh, we can 
put, we can just give you the worship and, and turn it to you and trust you with it all. And so we are grateful and uh, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the Apostle Paul writes uh, the letter to the Thessalonian believers, right? And, uh, and I don't know if you've ever spent much time in this book, right? First Thessalonians is where we'll kind of touch on today uh, briefly. But uh, this book of, of, or this letter to them really has a prominent theme uh, throughout of the second coming of Jesus, okay? Uh, and it's mentioned actually in every chapter of First Thessalonians. And here's how my ESV study Bible describes the content, okay? It says, at Jesus' future coming, the dead in Christ will rise. If you've never spent much time in there, this is a really 30,000-foot overview of it, okay? At Jesus' future coming, the dead in Christ will rise and will be caught up with the living to meet the Lord in the air. That's in chapter 4. Unbelievers will be subject to his wrath, but Christians will be delivered from this inheriting salvation instead. You can find that in chapters 1, 5, and another portion in chapter 5. Those who are true saints must live holy and blameless lives. Uh, In chapter 3 and chapter 5, both talk about that. Produced by God, who is faithful to do so. So there you go. There's a brief, brief overview of 1 Thessalonians. And one of the things that if you read through this, uh, this book, one of the things that believers were concerned about there, and we see this in chapter 4, was that those who had died before the rapture, right, uh, would miss out because they uh, didn't know what would happen to those people who had already died. Uh, prior to there being a rapture, right? And so there was a lot of confusion in this. There was a lot of confusion uh, among the church there. They didn't know. They, were, they had all kinds of ideas. Timothy reports that to Paul. Paul's like, I need to clear some things up, right? So, so he writes them this letter to kind of clear some of these things up, and not just to clear it up, but to give them hope, right? How many of us know that we have to have hope, right? Amen? We've got to have hope to be encouraged uh, as we move forward in life because it can be difficult at times. And so we've got to have hope uh, in order to be encouraged as we live life. And so he wanted them to be encouraged, to have hope, and have a fuller understanding of what was to come. All right, and then we read this in chapter 5, and this kind of takes us into our portion here. Chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, uh, just to jump off from, he writes this, and he says, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it, right? He will surely do it. So when we become a Christ follower, we are saved, we are redeemed, we are filled with God's Holy Spirit, and we can be assured of these very things, right? We can be assured of these things. But let me ask you something. When you became a believer and you were saved and you were redeemed and you were filled with God's Spirit, um, did everything in your life become fixed automatically? Like, I don't know about you. That wasn't my story, you know. Still isn't. <laughs> and so not everything became fixed immediately. And, and, and that includes the area of mental health, right? That includes our minds that don't become automatically fixed just because uh, we do become a Christ follower. I mean, we're saved. We're redeemed. We're, you know, we have hope for the future, all of those things. But life's not perfect, right? We, don't, we, don't, uh, we still struggle with things. And so we're going to talk about a couple of myths here about mental health, and then we'll 
uh, jump into another portion of Scripture, okay? Number one, kind of a myth, Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health, right? Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. Uh, you've pro- again, you've probably heard that said. Maybe you've dealt with that. Maybe you've been looked down upon because you were struggling maybe at, at some point. Uh, but let me just say, at times, the stress, the loneliness, the depression, the anxiety is attributed sometimes in the church as to not having enough prayer. Anybody ever heard that one? You're just not praying enough, right? Because if you were praying enough, then these things would be fixed, right? Or maybe, you know, you, you're just not having enough time with God. That's your problem. You're just not having enough time with God, and so these things are happening because of that. Um, but, you know, I was putting this together, and I was thinking, wait a minute, that kind of sounds like, if you're familiar with the Pharisees in the New Testament, anybody familiar with the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees, when they would see somebody uh, who had, you know, some form of deformity or something like that, what would they say? Is it, was it their sin that caused this, or was it their fam- their parents' sin or their family's sin? Like, what is causing them? The, something is causing this. It must be some sin in their life, right? This is what the Pharisees would think. And so that, it's kind of similar when in the church today we think, well, that person's just not praying enough or not, you know, spending enough time with God. So, you know, maybe that's why this is all happening. And so we have to be uh, careful because that's just not true, okay? It's just not true. You could be all prayed up. You could have all the Devo time in the world with God, right? You could, have, you could be all devoted up in the morning. You could be all prayed up in the morning. You can attend every service uh, of, of the month, right? And you can still deal with mental health issues, right? That's the way that it is. So a person can love Jesus and still fight with these issues, right? You could be pursuing God faithfully and still battle these things. And so wrestling in these ways does not make you a bad Christian, okay? Wrestling in these areas does not make you a bad Christian. Uh, It it just simply means that uh, you're a created being with a continual need for dependence on God and help from Him, and also, let me just say this, and also things like good sleep, (laughs) right? (laughs) Let me just get really practical today with you, okay? Like, Good sleep is what we, we definitely need that. We need a good diet because when I'm, you know, when I'm struggling mentally, like I make bad decisions with eating. Anybody else there with me? And so, you know, that tends to, to hurt. And then things like good friends, right? Uh, and maybe even a professional Christian counselor to help you work through things and talk through things, all right? I know that I know uh, quite a few people who, who have a, a professional Christian counselor, and they're very helpful. They sit down, they talk through things, they help you process through things. It's not a bad thing, and it shouldn't be looked down upon if somebody has that, okay? Number two, the second myth is God doesn't care about your mental health. Uh, sometimes we, you know, by avoiding it, that's what we're saying. Like, God doesn't care about that. Let's not, let's not touch on it. It's not a big deal. But let me just say he cares, and he cares a lot. Uh, if you've ever read through the Psalms, you understand this to be true, right? The Psalms speak to this issue. They say that he is our refuge and our strength. Anybody ever needed a refuge and a strength, right? That he is near to the brokenhearted. Anybody ever need God near to your broken heart, right? And, and he is our shepherd, and we've, we need to be led, all right? We need to be led by God. And ultimately, uh, our help in times of trouble, it also speaks to. And, uh, and the Psalms don't always tell us what the trouble is that the psalmist is walking through, right? But what we do know is that he is near to the psalmist, and, uh, and I think no matter what it is that they are walking through or troubled with at that time and in that moment, um, 
that God would be present in the midst of it no matter what the trouble was, don't you? So, specifically, Psalm 88. Let's kind of look at that here. Uh, it's one that we're going to look at. Psalm 88, uh, I'm going to have it on the screen. I'm going to read from, uh, ultimately, from three different sections of Psalm 88. Uh, it's written by a guy named Heman, okay? Uh, H-E-M-A-N. Uh, I was going to make a He-Man joke, but I'm not going to go ahead and do that today. Uh, I grew up with He-Man, right? Then the Masters of the Universe. Anyway, uh, so I grew up with that, and so anyway, uh, other scriptures tell us uh, about He-Man. It tells us this, that he was wise. We find that in 1 Kings 4. Uh, that he was a servant to the king, uh, King David, in, in 1 Chronicles 25. That he's a committed parent. Uh, that's also in 1 Chronicles 25. We find that he's a musician uh, in 1 Chronicles 6. So he's definitely going to have up and downs because he's a musician, okay? So we know he's going to have issues. Uh, he's a grandson. Uh, I can say that as a musician because we're a little touchy, okay? I'm not going to lie to you. We're a little touchy. <laughs> and so that's just the way it is. Uh, grandson of Samuel, we find, the priest who anointed Saul and David, right? Samuel's that priest. So we find he's the, uh, Heman is the grandson of Samuel. And we also find that he was one of three musicians appointed by King David for the ministry of prophesying accompanied by harps, lyres, and cymbals in 1 Chronicles 25. So that's who this person and this individual uh, was. Outside of that, we don't know much about him, okay? We just know those facts about him. Psalm 88, verses 3 through 5 say this, says, For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand." Verses 13 and 14 in Psalm 88 say, But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? And then verse 18 in Psalm 88 says, You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Some of them say, and darkness has become my friend, right? And, and so, uh, it, it, you know, the, the interesting thing about Psalm 88 is, you know how a lot of psalms, like the psalmist is like, life is so hard, it's so difficult. I'm walking through these things. God, why, why, why? And then at the end he says, but Lord, I trust in you. You know how a lot of psalms are like that? Psalm 88 isn't like that. It's the one psalm that is not, it doesn't turn back to God and declare like this trust. It's just kind of like, Darkness is my friend, you know. <laughs> it's like, okay, you know. So, uh, and so here's the thing about it, though. God isn't afraid of our honesty before him. He's really not. Sometimes we don't want to come before him uh, and speak honestly and just be truthful with God about things because, you know, we, for some reason, we just, we just don't do that. We don't come before him like that. But he's not afraid of your honesty before him. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't come before God with great reverence because we should always come before God with reverence. Uh, and, and, you know, but the thing is, is that we have to be honest with him. And we should be, uh, not be afraid to do that. The psalmist surely was honest with God, right? And many psalmists, if you read through them, uh, surely were honest with him. 
<clears throat> I wonder if you've ever sat and talked with God with pure honesty, right? I wonder if you've ever actually sat and just been completely honest about where you're at with what's going on around you, speaking to him, not with a distrust of, of the future, but just with a reality of where you are, where, what you're in the midst of, right? I wonder if you've ever done that, or I wonder if you've ever sat with a trusted friend and been honest with them. You know, it's hard to find a trusted friend that, that you can trust with anything. Uh, uh, but if you have that person, I wonder if you've ever sat and really had that honest conversation with them, that everything's not good and everything's not perfect that you're walking through, right? Sometimes in the church, we tend to have this plastic, you know, exterior, uh, and then, you know, we leave, and then we go home, but, and then we take off the plastic exterior, and, and we're just hurt, right? We're hurting. And so I wonder if you've ever done that, and I wonder if you've ever needed a professional Christian counselor to sit and talk things through with, but maybe just thought, if I did that, people would view me like I'm crazy, like, like I just can't, you know, like people would look down on me if I ever were to have that. And sometimes people need that, right? Sometimes that's what is necessary, and it could be any of us in this room that sometimes that could be necessary for. So don't look down because of that. Right? There's no shame in looking for help, and in fact, it's not a sign of weakness, but a sign of maturity and wisdom, okay? It's a sign of maturity and wisdom to look for help and to go and to have these conversations, all right? At times and in season, we all need help, right? Amen? Are you with me? All right. What we're looking for at the end of the day is peace of mind, right? We really, truly we are. We're looking for peace of mind. And when your mind is at peace, other things usually follow behind that. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but like eating, like sleeping, like having a better focus on certain things in life, et cetera, et cetera, right? So here's a great question for us to ask, though. And this is, again, comes back to the really practical side of things. How will we ever have peace of mind if we obsess over all the problems that we see around us on cable news or on social media platforms or in the newspaper if that's still a thing? I don't know. Anybody, else, anybody here read the newspaper? Nobody, right? Do they still have? I think I've seen them, but they're not nearly as long as they used to be. Remember, you used to have all the sections. Now it's like three pages. So, so you know, if you're reading these things and seeing all the issues that are happening and focusing on those things, maybe peace of mind isn't there because you are, you are allowing those things to be the central focus uh, for your mind and your heart even, right? So we were never meant to know as many things as we we're able to know today. I come back to that a lot. Like, I don't think we were ever meant to know as much as, we're, as is available and in front of us uh, today because it's just downright overwhelming, okay? And so we have to be careful about that because the, uh, the battle often begins with what we intake, okay? What we're bringing in, what we're intaking, that's where the battle often begins. Ultimately, uh, what we intake the most of, what are we going to do? We're going to put that out as well, right? So very practically, that's exactly what happens uh, in our lives oftentimes. And so uh, what we fix our thoughts on will determine how much uh, and whether or not we find peace or not oftentimes. The prophet Isaiah writes in Isaiah 26.3, he says, you keep, and all of Isaiah 26 is really about a coming day, right? And, and, and it says, uh, he says, to keep him, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. 
right, in perfect peace. Now, if you've never read that verse uh, and you look it up, you know, the word that stood out to me on this is the word stayed, right, uh, whose mind is stayed on you. And it's a Hebrew word, and, and it's S-A-W-M-A-K, right, Samak. I think it's actually produced Samach or something like that, but, you know, that hurts to do. So uh, the word is a verb, and it means to lean, uh, to lay, to rest, to support, to uphold and brace. And so to be kept in perfect peace truly is to lean or rest our thoughts, to lean and rest our mind on God as much as we can, right? To be fixed or stayed on him and to trust him that he's able to keep us in perfect peace. We're leaning on him. Through Christ, his people have everything needed for a godly life, right? 2 Peter 1.3 tells us this, that in Christ, that through Christ, his people have everything needed for a godly life. And it's through our, what we find in this verse in 2 Peter 1.3 is through our knowledge of him, right? It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him uh, who called us by his own glory and goodness, the word here, knowledge, is a Greek word, and I think it's actually epignosis, right? And, and, and so I thought it was epignosis, but it's epignosis I, uh, from what I hear. Uh, and so you can look it up on Bible Hub, and, and it'll tell you all about it, right? But it means a precise and correct knowledge, a precise and correct knowledge. Now, if we want perfect peace, we can't go to TikTok or to memes or to our Twitter feeds right, uh, and, and find out some things that people say about Jesus and then make our theological foundation from there. You know how many people get their theological foundation from TikTok? It's really bad. It, it's, it's really bad because that one more than any other feed just pulls somebody in and then it's just like all day, right? It's just all day. TikTok trouble, okay? So that's from coming from me, but I'm an old man too, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> what do I know? But, but the reality of it is, you know, we can't go to these, uh, these places and get that theological foundation from there. We have to be people who know the Word of God, and I'm going to tell, I'm going to be preaching this in every message till the day I die, all right? We've got to be people who know the Word of God that we might then precisely and correctly know the Son of God right? To have that knowledge uh, uh, through Jesus Christ is to know him precisely and correctly, right? So if we want to know God and have the knowledge to live a godly life, it also can't come from our inner reasoning uh, of what I think is right and wrong, uh, but what God says is right and wrong, okay? How many times in our current society and culture do you see books written about this thing that, you know, just look deep within and you can find the truth to life, and, you know, what is your inner truth and all these things? Like, let me just tell you, like, there are so many books out there that are written about this and so many podcasts and different things uh, and people, you know, spreading that type of, of, I'll just call it garbage. But, you know, you look, the deeper I look inside me, I don't know about you, but I'll just be honest, the deeper I look inside me, the worse it gets, okay? So that's just the way that it is. And, and apart from Christ, that's what I'm saying. Apart from Christ, if I look way, way, way down deep in me, I'm not going to find any answers, right? The problem is me. So the problem, and, and I'll just say it too, the problem is you and me, right? And so when Christ, when we are in Christ and redeemed and made new in him, he becomes the answer, right? We need something outside of ourselves in order to become the answer that, uh, for the problem that we have, which is sin, all right? 
So I'll be preaching that for the rest of my life as well. And so that's just the way that it is, right? So too many people are making assessments of what is right and wrong based off their own inner judgment, what they feel is right and wrong. Um, and a godly life can only be lived through a precise and correct knowledge of Jesus Christ and what scriptures teach us is right and wrong, all right? So we can know what's right and wrong. Uh, it's not based on us, on our best judgment, but on God's word. We can know that what we need is found in Jesus Christ. We can have peace of mind as we fix our thoughts on him. And we can walk out everything he calls us to, uh, to do through him, right? Because he is the one that, ha that has called us and will give us all that we need to live a godly Christian life. Um. So here's the thing. I'd love to see us the next few weeks really spend, uh, really spend these weeks renewing our minds on him, right? Being transformed not by thinking about the patterns of this world, but rather renewing our minds uh, and discerning God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. I really would love to see the next few weeks us focus on having a, a being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Again, coming back to 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit uh, uh, may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Now, the word sanctify here, sanctify means set apart for holiness and exclusive use. That's what the word means, right? So we're set apart for holiness and exclusive use uh, for God's purposes, right? And there are this positional sanctification is the initial uh, upon conversion in Jesus. So there is that positional sanctification. There's practical sanctification, daily living and dealing with sin, growing in holiness, right? And then there's that perfect sanctification when we see Jesus and are eternally with him. And that's really the only time that we're going to have perfect sanctification is when we're finally with him, okay? Until then, it's a journey, all right? Completely means in every way or wholly. Uh, this, the whole spirit, soul, and mind. The word spirit is the Greek word pneuma. It means the essence or source of life. The soul is suke, and it means affections, passions, emotions, kind of the seat of our feelings and desires. And then body is the word soma, the Greek word soma, and it's really the physical vessels that we are in, right? And he says, to be blameless until Christ's return. Let me just say, having an expectancy to see Jesus Christ is a great motivation for holy living and worshiping God. Amen? Right? That, having that hope and that encouragement for what is to come. And what is it to actually worship God? What is it to actually worship Him? There, the, uh, there's a guy named William Temple, and he was the Archbishop of Canterbury in the early 1940s. And he defined worship as this, and I think it's pretty awesome. It says, to worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open up the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will to the purpose of God. And so in our journey of finding peace of mind, we should first focus on worshiping God. 
After all, he is the God of peace, right? And he is faithful. And so we're going to take just a, a minute here and we're going to go through a, a reflection song, right? That we can just, as, uh, uh, as Joel is singing through this, we can uh, worship God, but in the midst of that, really be focused on him and, and a renewal of our mind as we're focusing him and, and asking him for that. And so let's take a minute or two and really just focus on worshiping God and seeing how he transforms our mind and our heart as we do that. Romans uh, 12, 1 and 2 really speak to this, and I alluded to it in the message, but if you just close your eyes, I'm going to read through this and uh, talk about it just for a second. He says to the Roman believers, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And some translations say your reasonable act of worship, right? Verse 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And that idea of being transformed by the renewal of your mind, the word renewal there, uh, I've kind of studied it in the past and, and read about it. And, and uh, that word renewal, uh, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so it really, what that, that portion carries with it is this idea of like remodeling a house, you know. If you remodel a house, you go in and, and you don't, you know, you don't just put another layer of paint over the top and hope that it looks good and stuff like that, you know. But the, the idea is coming in and completely remodeling it. And so like if you're going to redo a kitchen, you take all of that out and you put new cabinets in, right? And you put new stuff in there, and, and you put new flooring. And, and, um, and so it it's really is, it carries this idea of, of not just tacking on some, you know, some wallpaper over the top of it, you know, but, but really redoing it. And so in this series, what I'm, I mean, this is just my heart. That I, I hope that that's what we're doing is we're really thinking, okay, God, we want you to, to like, redo our minds, like, like remodel our minds. If we want to think like you want us to think. We want to uh, be scriptural. We want to certainly be people who, who meditate on the Word and who have, this, uh, have that in our mind and our hearts. Uh, and so we want to be people who literally uh, are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I think as we work towards this and really just give ourselves to God to do it in us, uh, we're going to be able to be people who find peace of mind to a much greater degree than maybe we do right now. And so I hope that over the next few weeks, that's uh, your heart as well as mine, that we would allow God to do that in us. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for uh, being here with us, for speaking to us as you always do when we open up your word and we, we read through your word and we see what it says and we say we want to, we, we want to be people who adjust to your word and do what it says, uh, not people 
you know, who, who come up with our own truth and word, but we want to be people who adjust to your word, Lord, and we trust you. We trust that your word is, is not old, but it's eternal, right? It's, it's always going to be good for us. And so, Lord, we want to say thank you for that today. God, if anybody is here and, and struggling uh, in, in ways in life with uh, this issue of, of mental health or in their mind, God, I would just want to pray over them today and pray over each and every person here, God, that you would uh, meet them in the moment that they're in right now, God, in the, in the place that they're in right now. Meet them right now and speak to their minds, speak to their heart, God, that you would uh, begin that, that transformation, that, that renewal of their mind, that transformation, God, that you want in each of us. And so, God, help us to be people who are focused on you, who fix our hearts and minds on you, and who meditate on your word uh, day and night, as the psalmist says. Lord, that we would be people who uh, who do those things, God, and fix our thoughts uh, and mind and heart on you. And so we are grateful uh, for that today. And uh, we just want to say we love you. We love you. You are so good to us, and you are good. And so we can always count on that. And so we pray these things today, together, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey everyone, it's Pastor Clint. I want to thank you for joining us today for this podcast, and I hope it was beneficial for you. Our vision at Family Life Church is simple, to create a safe and authentic environment for people to encounter Jesus. If you have any questions or would like to connect with us, please don't hesitate to send us an email at admin at myflc.org or connect with us via social media on Facebook or Instagram at Family Life Church Newburn. We'd enjoy hearing from you. Again, thank you for listening today and God bless you as you pursue Him.